keep going. Welcome to the Keep Going Podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm one of your hosts. What an awesome opportunity Michael and I had last week to interview the legendary Leo the Lion Manzano. This is a personal and wide-ranging discussion around his experiences in the sport and the industry of distance running. One of Keep Going's missions is to explore local running culture, and this episode does not disappoint on that level, but it is also so much more. Leo is incredibly candid, funny, and insightful in detailing how a young Hispanic boy from Granite Shores, Marble Falls, Texas, with limited options and opportunities, ran himself into the American running legend that he is today. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground, but spend most of our time discussing Leo's local Central Texas roots and racing experiences. Now, if you don't know who Leo Manzano is, you must be living under a rock. He won the first Olympic medal in the 1500 meters at the 2012 London Olympics in over 44 years. The last person to do that is the Hall of Famer, Jim Ryan. That's the level that we're talking about. As we discuss here, we argue that Leo and his University of Texas teammates between 2004 and 2008 fundamentally changed the face of American distance running. Now, Leo has two ventures that we're excited to support. Check out his store at www.leomanzano.com. Leo is also announcing very soon his involvement in the new Borderline Track Club founded by Paul Carroza this spring. This group's unique feature, besides having both Paul and Creighton, his six-time All-American son, on board, is to help athletes who find themselves in limbo in their collegiate career. There are many athletes who find themselves pushed out of the collegiate system, and this group will allow these athletes to bridge back into it or bypass it altogether if that's their best option. Please see the recent FlowTrack article linked below. We're very excited to see how this venture proceeds and look forward to supporting Leo and Paul in any way that we can. So please enjoy this extended and candid conversation with one of the all-time greatest American distance runners, Leo the Lion Manzano. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. We have a really special guest in Leo Manzano. Um, you already heard my intro for him. Leo, thank you for your time. We really, really appreciate you being here. I, I, I poked you at the uh, NCAA championship meet up in the stands and said, hey, would you like to get on this crazy little podcast that Michael and I are doing? You're like, oh, maybe we'll see. Then you reached out to me recently and said, yeah, I'd love to. So we're just honored to have you here and to have you talking with us and chatting about running the culture, industry, all those other things, wherever wherever we end up going, we end up going. If you've got any particular directions you want to start pivoting towards, Michael and I were pretty good at improvis- improvisators. We're pretty good at improvisation. Yes. We, can, we, can, we can move on a dime if we need to. Um, but we want you to feel comfortable, and we want you to feel like you're just talking to two other dudes who are local and in the industry, and we'll just see where we go. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think when I met you or saw you last, um, it was kind of like trying to figure out how I could fit that in. Right. It's I'm always I'm always about it's almost like puzzles. Right. And then you got to figure out where the pieces go. And it sometimes also depends on timing. Right. Like how how that plays into timing. And yeah, just yeah. Just going back to the puzzle, how how you can make it work and make it fit. And um so so during that time I wasn't quite ready, but I feel like now I'm in a different place 
and yeah, it's a uh, you know I think there's a lot a lot of things that we're working on. Also, um, it's always great to connect with you, regardless, <laughs> uh, over a beer or two, <laughs> maybe three. <laughs> I'll chat your ear off for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's all, it's always great to connect, and I know I connected uh, with Michael a while back over coffee, and we had some great convos. Yeah, we've had a handful <clears throat> of of passing conversations at events, but um, finally got together over a coffee and and uh, getting connected with the. The local legends, man. Like it's just it for me as an I'm I'm newer to Austin, you know. Like I mean, maybe five, six years now, and and meeting everybody. I just did I just did my little four year update for a Treyu because we as of yesterday wow. we've been in business for about four years, and one of the big takeaways was how many amazing people I get to meet along the way, and like that's just a, it's such a vehicle for opportunity and running industry, running culture and everything is just, you meet all these amazing people everywhere. So it's, it is a privilege and a gift to have you in my home today, man. Thanks for joining us. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And this place, Austin, Texas, like it, it, it brings out the best in people, man. Like, yeah, like everything's happening here. Like mm-hmm. shit's always going, something's always going on in Austin, Texas. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, and I actually just hung out with these guys, um, kind of more like a, a bit business elite uh, men's group, and I've never—I mean, I've been in Austin for I me mean, since 2008, mm-hmm. and I've never seen anybody be just so excited to be in Austin. I'm like, I mean, because I, I always see Austin just as my home. I'm like, oh, it's mm-hmm. Austin. I love Austin. Just I have a lot of love for Austin, um, but I have never seen people be just so excited to be here. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, and I was like, holy shit! Why didn't? Why am I not seeing that? Why do we take it for granted? Yes. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think about our weather from a training perspective. I mean, you've trained, you trained almost all of your career locally too, right? You did stints at altitude, but primarily you were here, correct? I mean, I did. I mean, all the way through from high school and into college. Um, And then I was here in Austin. I mean, it would be more, I would say more springtime. Mm -hmm. And then I would travel out. Yeah. 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 Um, what where, did, mean, where, where did you base out of when you did when you did when you would get out of Austin? Where did you go? Yeah, so I um you know so I have this this <laughs> beautiful connection with Mexico, this Central Mexico, and so long story short, I didn't even realize. I mean, we'd go we'd travel back and forth uh, from U.S. to Mexico to visit grandparents and s- stay there, not realizing that it was actually at altitude. Mm-hmm. It's like at six thousand feet, yes. Central Mexico. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the state of Guanajuato, San Luis Potosí, all that area. Potosí, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think of, when I think of Mexico, I don't necessarily think of it as being an altitude. Oh like, my god! G- generally speaking, yeah, generally <laughs> right. And then, um, I mean, so, Mexico City is sixty eight hundred feet. Is yeah. it really sixty eight hundred um, yeah, feet? That's where yeah. the Olympics in sixty. Or I, maybe I'm confusing sixty eight. No, no, it, it's with um, sixty eight. You're not too far off. Yeah, it was something 60, like that. Sixty eight at Olympics. I think it was sixty eight. It was sixty eight Olympics, yeah. and that's sitting in my head. But maybe yeah. it's not six thousand eight hundred feet. But it's it's yeah. at it's, above five. It's close. Um, some some areas are close to ten thousand. Wow. Because yeah. the mountains are right there. Yeah. They're there. It's in a little valley that Mexico valley. City is on our list. Yeah, I've been be. lobbying to to get to Mexico City <laughs> uh, in the next year. So. You you should actually never been. Um, yeah, so Mexico City is really interesting, super super diverse. Um, actually, f- forget about Paris in terms of like the city of love. Mexico City, there's a park named 
Parque Chapultepec. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to Paris, people don't really make out or hang out <laughs> or like sit next to each other or touch. You go to Parque Chapultepec and people are like loving on each other, <laughs> hugging each other, <laughs> making out. Like maybe you see the PDA ma- capital of the yeah, world. Maybe you see people in the bushes. Maybe not. <laughs> yes. All right. I mean, it's it's on another it's an on on another level. The lovers' destination. Yeah. yeah. I mean that. Tr- I've never seen that. Right. And I was like, oh my god, people like they're like really in love here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you got to go if you ever. Yeah, go. yeah. We're me and my wife are are looking to um to to see what's going. It I've done a lot of Asia and you know Europe and everything, but for whatever reason, I've never I've never extensively explored. Yeah. Well, when South the, of the when US. the time is right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's time. It's time. Like going back to what we're saying, right? Things sometimes. So just... you had you you said your grandparents were from. The state of Guanajuato, Mexico, just outside of um, Dolores Hidalgo, the biggest city. Actually, there's two, two to three main cities in that state that are really popular right now. Uh, about um, this, the city named uh, San Miguel de Allende. Oh, super famous! It's an artist community. It's been it's been famous since the '60s, but it's getting huge now. Forty percent of it are like foreigners now. Yeah, it's like everybody from the U.S. is moving there. You got Canadians. I've been there. It is. Stunningly beautiful. Yeah, and and people are moving there for different reasons, right? I mean, mm-hmm. or so many more reasons. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's more, it's inexpensive, right? People can afford to live there. Their money goes a lot further. Yeah, I mean, of course, everywhere you go, right? You're gonna have crime, but it's like if you stay away from, you know, like crazy nights or you know, it's like you're you're not gonna really. And people don't mess with you if you're not messing with them either. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a seven thirty bedtime. So maybe <laughs> oh, that's that's perfect. <laughs> no trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you're you're not gonna you're gonna be kept up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be kept up. And San Luis Potosi is where you based out of typically. Yeah. I mean, I've been there too, and it's really interesting that location because you're at just the right altitude to be able to train hard, and you've got some flats there that you can actually do some faster pace stuff. So it's got that nice little mix like you see in Flagstaff with being able to drop down yeah. to a lower elevation. It's actually very similar to to what a Flagstaff would be, except for warmer weather. Yeah, especially when it's cold you know super cold here it's training conditions are probably better than than flagstaff however i wouldn't quite recommend it for somebody that doesn't really speak spanish yeah because that yeah. or that can't get into into the wind with the people um because i mean it's it's a big change and then it's like you got to be ready for anything in terms of like like sometimes the food is different the you know um whether you're training you know and trying to make sure that you're working around like training schedules in terms of like whether you're trying to get into the gym, the uh, get on the track, or like hey, I got to drive out like an, you know thirty minutes out to go, to go on out to like seven seven thousand feet or seventy five hundred feet. Yeah, and you're getting out into really small local communities where everybody knows each other. People are walking around on the, there's the roads are paved, but in some cases they're not paved. You've got folks in vehicles, folks on. Horses, folks on donkeys, folks. You've got you've got you've got animals running. It's like it's just it's very rural in a way that um, we don't see rural in Texas. Yeah, you know? I mean, you're from Marble Falls. That's where you were. Were you born there? or Were you born in Mexico? I was born in Mexico mm-hmm. and then was brought to the U.S. when I was four. Uh, we my parents brought me to Texas when I was four, and I grew up in Marble Falls. Yeah, went went to Marble Falls from kindergarten all the way through. I was one of what you call the survivors. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's a lake town. People who don't live in Austin may not realize it's got a river. Like it's beautiful. It's, it's 
it's a it's a it's a destination location for a lot of retirees who are local retirees because it's beautiful and you're a little bit out there and you got a little bit of land and I love I love Town Lake. However, it, the water in Marble Falls is so clean. It's, it's so way beautiful. much more cleaner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. people don't a lot of people don't know that and it's kind of been kind of a secret for a long time. Yeah. I think but people are now like finding it there and Marble Falls is growing. Yeah, and the lakes there are three two or three lakes just right there um that are stunningly gorgeously yeah. beautiful that are filtering into the river there that and then the river is like dammed up in the town. It's really cool and it's yeah. got this beautiful parkside area. It's it's really it it's again, highly underrated, but I always thought about what it would be like to grow up like Leo in Marble Falls. I grew up in San Antonio and, you know, it's a big city, but yeah. it's like you, you grew up in a tiny little place, right? Like a pretty small, I mean, not tiny, but a pretty small place compared to um, many of your teammates that you ran with at UT. They were from, like Stanley's yeah. from Houston, Jake Moore's from Houston, you know, um, they're, they're from a lot of other places that are really big and you were like yeah. a small town guy, really. Yeah, yeah I mean... Um Kind of just, I mean, everything revolves around football. Yeah. If you if you imagine, I mean, Friday Night Lights, the 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 football series. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what it was, and it probably kind of still is that way. Um, where people, I mean, everything that people do revolves around football, and then all of a sudden, here comes this kid that just happens to be really good at running. Um, and then it's like all of a sudden I start crushing it, and um. But interestingly enough, my uh, coaches in uh, in high school were football coaches, <laughs> and they they were. I still I credit my longevity in the sport to them, Coach Futrell and Coach Fletcher, because they didn't burn me out. Um, we did a lot of quality, very super intense type work. But thanks to them, I, it's like I got to go into college and then kind of still grow and then continued my growth on. Where a lot of my teammates, you know, they were going to these schools. They were doing like 70, 80 miles a week. They come into college and then they're, I mean, really just like one year, maybe two years, and they're just kind of like burnt out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you started running. Have you, did you start when you were a little kid? Did people in your, somebody in your family run or what, how did you get drug into it? <laughs> how'd you, how'd you get dipped in this horrible, painful place? <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll explain that. Um, so when, I mean, I remember my first run with my, or some, fond memories with my grandfather we were um where i would challenge him to run i didn't really know what running was at the time and i just knew i'd liked it and you're like running and trying to beat him but obviously he was older than me and he'd always beat me and then then he fell off a horse one day mm. and he broke his foot and you know as a four-year-old i was just begging him and annoying him like hey race me race me and then after like several weeks and him still on crutches he was like Okay, and then I just remember beating him. <laughs> you know, he was—he had crutches, but um, that's and, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and then that first taste of blood. Yeah, the first taste, taste of victory. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. a grandfather was on crutches. <laughs> yeah, and it was just always just kind of like in the system. It just like going into middle or excuse me, primary was always doing that presidential fitness stuff award test. man i got the patch on my jacket today oh, i still got yeah. my presidential fitness award yeah. i got ahead all the ribbons yeah i had all, i mean <laughs> going through all the all the levels right yes. then i had um i mean just kind of as a kid right? i didn't really even know what running was i was like oh i just like it i feel like i'm pretty good and you want to be the fast fastest one mm -hmm. and i think there was a girl named laura who'd always kick the shit out of me but you know other than that i was like always and the but you know there comes a time that you 
people progress and mature. So that was right about seventh grade or so. And um, that's when I joined the, or trying to, I was trying to join the cross country team. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing with a lot of Hispanic families, they're like running. I mean, and may, maybe other people too, right? Like running, what, what is, what is that? Like, why do you want to do that? So when I was asking my dad for permission to uh, allow me to join the cross country team, um, he was like, no, he's like, you're wasting your time. Like, what is that for? That's not going to take you anywhere. <laughs> That's an interesting <coughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, he, um, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, b being, I mean, I guess at that time I was, I was 12, but you're already teenager type mentality. And it's like, well, like, what do I need to do to figure out how to let my dad allow me to run? And I was like, okay, well, I was like, you know, I need to see if I can just get a job and, and be like, hey, you know what? If if you l allow me or let me run or join the team, then I'll find work during the summer and help you with like home expenses. And for my dad, I was it, it was kind of like a little bit of a game changer. He's like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, it's less money out of my pocket type mm -hmm. of thing. And so, um, so then he was like, okay, yeah, you can join the team. And pretty much like it was like the next day we're up at 430 in the morning because we had one vehicle at the time and um show up to practice but i'm wearing like jeans hiking boots and a dress shirt <laughs> um and then i ran like that for about a week and then my first coach coach schnallman uh gave me my first pair of running shoes and running attire wow so that's crazy and when you got to when you were competing for marble falls <clears throat> your freshman year yeah you were you were pretty good locally Right. So um, I don't really know as much of your. I know m all of your collegiate and post collegiate career, but your high school career, I don't know that much about. I do know that you were state champion by the end of it in a in a in a state that had some really, really fucking badass milers in it. <laughs> the guys you competed against at the state level were near knocking on the sub four door throughout your high school career. Yeah, I guess it. Um, middle school was really important for me because that was a big development stage f for so many more, for a lot of reasons, right? But primarily, um, that's kind of when I got in introduced into track, um, a lot of really quality-based things, right? Because nobody really knew about mid-distance or distance running. Mm -hmm. And so what it was is um, after my, that coach gave me pairs of running shoes and like people started kind of noticing that I was pretty good, so I was in seventh grade and she, she put me on the varsity, uh, excuse me, on the JV team, uh, to run at UTSA at that cross country meet. And then oh, I, yeah. and then I ran there <laughs> and then I, and then I win the damn thing. And then it's like, holy shit, who is this kid? Uh, and what do we need to do to progress him, right? To evolve him. And, um, that coach and then other coaches along the way just kind of were like, Hey, like, you know, how do we just, how do we just manage this kid to not, you know, not get hurt to make sure to do the right things, to get him to where he needs to be. PR is more or less, if I remember correctly in middle school, I'd ran like, I think it was like a four thirty mile in middle school. And then like a one, a one fifty seven mile. Um, and then in half mile, half mile, yeah, 800. Yeah. One fifty seven half mile. Yeah. Thank you for that. Correct. Uh, the, um, the two mile, I think it was like somewhere right around like 10, 10 minutes and 15 seconds in middle school. Mm -hmm. So really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as, as a, as a kid, right. And you're not, you're hanging out with people that usually train. I, I remember I used to be kind of 
little angry because it was like, man, this is all about football. Like, you know, there's no track people. And um, as we would prog- as I progressed into into high school, what it was, you know, my football coaches became my track coaches. And again, they they did every they they didn't really know a lot about how to train a mid distance runner, but they did their due diligence. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's like I, you know, I still credit them today with that longevity. Yeah, I grew up in San Antonio, and when I was in junior high, um, already I grew up in a town that had the Reinas in it. So you know, yeah. they, they they were yeah. who were you know, Ruben um, is an Olympian and uh, ran at the University of Arkansas. So did all of the Reinas ran at the University of Arkansas. But um, Randy and Ruben especially were just slaying it when I was in junior high. So the you know where you were like the top of the heap, um, I was like. I sucked comparatively to those guys because they were so good. I mean, you know, but it, you, it is important. It isn't really interesting how, um, for people to realize that those times in junior high are really, really solid. They would be competitive nearly anywhere. Talk about your transition into high school. And then, because at that point in time, like every single race you go into, the people know who you are and you're now a known entity and um, people want your scout. They want, they want, they want you, right? Like they, like you, I, so I didn't know when it was when people started wanting that. And one of the things that anybody that knows Leo has been around Leo at all, you realize he's, as you can tell, he's super sweet and very kind and gentle. But when he's on the track, he's a goddamn fucking killer. Like (laughs) he is, you're, you're a slay, you slay. And to me, it's like, where did that come from? Like, is that, is that, is that? I'm trying to put myself in that, that the mindset of like a 13 year old. And I, I remember, I remember having some aspects of it. Like I'm thinking like psychologically, what was it like to, to go to bed and think about the session the next day? Like where was it all about? Like the future? Was it being in the present? Like what was it about the community? Was it about your talent? Did you, were you acutely aware of that talent and just wanted to capitalize on it? Like what was, it's a, it's an interesting out of body experience to try and, I didn't have that ability, you, you know, when I was that age and I definitely didn't have the mindset. So, um, if, as I'm kind of thinking back, what it was is like, they, because I was pretty, I mean, I was really good, right. Mm-hmm. As, as a middle schooler. And what would happen is they would start using me for not, I mean, to win, you know, to win, <laughs> to win as a team. So I'm running the 800, mm-hmm. I'm running the 1600, you know, on occasion they would flip those around and I would do the two mile mm-hmm. and then they would still put me on the mile relay. Four by four. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you would start kind of thinking about like, wow. So it's almost like, um, I'm just having to survive to, to do all this. Right. I mean, I, but I also, there was an aspect of really loving it and enjoying it. Yeah. Like right? that. Yeah. You were, you were aware of the talent. You were aware of how they were using that talent. Yes. But there was also like, did you had like that fire that, that needed to get you out there so, into the track into the culture? Yeah. So, and here's kind of, kind of a, almost like a double edged sword type of thing. Right. So going back to my dad, mm-hmm. he, um, he was always really tough when it came to like, you know, coming from where he came from. Right. And you always got to meet people where they're at. Um, it was always about, um, like if I ever lost a race and he's like, why did you lose? Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I remember actually maybe a couple of times he was just kind of like really upset that I had lost. Mm-hmm. And I remember him even like throwing up like at how pissed off he was. <laughs> and, 
I think that there was a lot, there was some, there's definitely something there, right? So anytime that I would lose, I would take it really hard because it was also the, like the whole aspect of, you know, family, you know, and team. And so I'm, I'm constantly doing a lot of things, you know, for my family or for my team. And, um, which again, double-edged sword, because you're doing all this stuff for other people, but then it's like, sometimes, Hey, you got to do that stuff for yourself. Right. And so, but very psychologically speaking, and because it was like a trial by fire, right? Every, every race that I'm dipping into, you know, and afterwards I'm always doing the 400, you know, uh, like the four by four. Mm -hmm. So I'm running a 400 meters. So, and then I'm in my, in the back of my mind, I'm like, wow. Okay. So by the time we get to regionals, a lot of my four by four teammates had already been done because, um, they were, I guess the team wasn't that good together, but I would always qualify for the 800 or the mile. And in the back of my mind, I was like, holy shit, if I'm running like a 51 second or 50 second 400 after like 20 or 30 minutes of rest, what would happen if I start attributing doing that in my own race? Right. So if I'm running a mile, like in the, that last lap, can I start closing? Mm -hmm. And so then it was just kind of like, okay, if, if, if I've done it before, like I can do it again. And so that's when the kick started developing. Um, and a lot of the people that don't know oh, me, yeah, if, that's you, cool. yeah. if you go back mm -hmm. and you look and you look <laughs> a lot of my races, I'm known for my kick. For he, my he's kick. not known for his kick. He, he's, he is infamous. He's famous and infamous for his kick. <laughs> but what I'm understanding is it was the, it was all of the events and that setup that kind of got you to reverse engineer the that's kick. Cool. Yeah. Like it's, it was like, why don't I just, why don't I put this into an event and see and, and and just really go for it. Like it's it's such a such a crazy organic way of of developing something out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you're when you move into the high school ranks, and now you're, you know, the state high school. You were at the state high school meet, yeah. high school state meet your freshman year. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, I so my freshman year, I was I did a cross country. I finished fourth that year. So you went to yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, and then the and then that uh, I guess it was that spring. I ran the mile uh, in the two mile, and I won both of those events as a freshman in high school. At as the, a, as a freshman and were you five eight? I was four eight. You were four so eight, was, so but smaller. That, you, right. Well, that during that's that time, before it was six eight. Yeah. Before we had six eight, correct. Right. So correct. it was still a bigger division. But right. it was, so the way I think of yeah. I think of things transitioned after we graduated from high school. Yeah. Both of us, we were five A was the largest school, yeah. and then four A was rural but large rural, mm -hmm. and then three A was was more rural and then two and one were like you're like you're at a school that has five different towns are bringing their kid to one school yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that was that was the same year um so i ran at texas relays and actually there was another freshman who was running as good as me if not better during that year and his name was brian sullivan yeah out of the woodlands right mm -hmm. and um so he ran um, he was the, the, that year he was the only person that was able to kick me, out kick me. Mm -hmm. And I ran uh four sixteen, and he ran like four fifteen point nine, and he just got me. And I was like, who is this guy? Did he get you closing on you or did he get you by you not being able to close him down? No, he, he, he got, he closed on me. I think. So you and were that, in the lead and he, he yeah. out kicked you. Yeah. And that was my freshman year. At and the, that must've hurt at the Texas relays. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the following year, I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't see him at the state. You didn't see him at state because you were at a different division than Co- they were. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But you would see these guys at, te- at, at Texas Relays. Did you have any real competition for a in your years? I mean, I'm going to name off the names. Sullivan, Stanley, Magnus, Brown, Morris. These are guys that you ran against. These five guys I'm naming are all, they all ended their career 405 or better. Correct. As milers. This is in you know, 2000, early aughts. So this is not where we're seeing more of that now. And these guys were all, four of those guys, well, all of them were in the Houston area. Yep. All of them in the Houston area. Yep. So you came up, I mean, I don't know that how many of our listeners will realize this, but to have five guys at that 405 or faster, and Leo is the best of all of them, as he proves out in his collegiate career and his post-collegiate career, the best of all of them. And he's not in that grouping. Because <laughs> yeah. you weren't, because you were never about running fast. You were always about winning the race. I mean, you eventually ran fast, but you've always been known for whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm going to win, right? Yeah, yeah. It was all. It was always about winning, right? And um, I feel like there was other other aspects of of that as well, right? Because what would happen is uh, a lot of these guys were training mileage. Yes, I was more like the Klein guys were. All oh, those guys were mm-hmm. for sure hitting the miles. Yeah, I was just doing. And more, so were the Woodlands guys. More quality and, and and intensity, and so there was times that I would just take off, like in in terms of running, I would just take off, um, like uh, downtime. Right, I'd, I'd have that downtime, and then I was also started working at an Italian restaurant, doing landscaping during you know certain mm-hmm. summers and. Um, whatever or whatnot. And then, so I'd always come back to cross country and in the first, usually first two races, I'd always get my, get my ass kicked, but then it, I would just start kind of evolving and, um, and I would just race myself into shape. And that was the same, very similar thing in, in track. So very, the very first initial couple of races, I'd always get beat. And then I'm like, man, okay, got to get this together. And then I would race myself into shape and then st- still be able to catch up to these guys. Um, but going back to a lot of these guys, actually, um, when it came time for recruiting right about my junior year, um, Texas didn't even recruit me because they were more interested in these guys. Yeah. Those guys I just named. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I think I won one, I I won state that you're in cross country and they're like, Hey, we would love to bring you down. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it was like literally two weeks before signing at Texas. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, another thing too is like, so I'm also five five, right? And this little Hispanic guy that, it's like, wait, what? You're the guy that's running, <laughs> and like, this is the guy that's winning races. So people is very, people have a hard time connecting that vi- visual w- when I'm competing against that's like six two or six foot, you know, and that comes from a different background. Yeah, it, it, they and they definitely did. They were in ongoing consistent training programs i mean darren brown's dad was an american record holder right um so you know you you end up signing at the university did you look at any other schools was texas really your first choice or were you where were you thinking in terms of your your collegiate selection so i I actually got invited to go to osu i did a recruiting trip at osu i got and dave smith was the coach there at the time dave smith i could see you and dave yeah working well together really good dude and that was actually my first um very initially was going to be my first pick um, but just really quick in terms of schools that recruitment to TSU was or TCU was recruiting me, uh, and then a lot of like the Texas A and M, Texas State, th- those were re- uh, schools were recruiting me. 
Um, but I, there was definitely always something about Texas. And in my mind, I always wanted to make the University of Texas a better, um, uh, like longer distance, mid distance type of school, which beforehand it was kind of known. People didn't, you know, um, but I was like, man, if, if I go there, like, I want to make that like the like no known for mid distance to distance. Damn, that's thing. cool. Yeah, Vidge Vidge rebrought that. You know, when I went to Texas, we were known for that. We were fourth yeah. at the NCAA championships in cross country. I was an All American a number of times. We were really good in the in the early nineties, um, late eighties, early nineties. We were a really good distance school. Yeah. But by the time you know when Stan, my coach, left and Bubba came in, things yeah. changed pretty considerably because Bubba was focused on. He was a sprint coach and. Yeah. For all good, for all the right reasons, he put his energies there. A head coach gets to put their energies there, and they had a lot of turnover yeah. in those years in terms of the distance running position. Yeah, a lot of turnover. But when Vidge got that job, Jason Vigilante, by the way, who is one of the great distance minds in the world. Period. I'm sorry, yeah. but nobody, no, anybody that wants to argue with me, I'll stand on the table and scream it out loud. The man knows how to coach, but more importantly, he knows how to motivate. The man. Has got he can get inside a kid's head and turn yeah. it around. Yeah, <laughs> he's amazing yeah. that way. Um, but he was a there was a there was a renaissance happening, mm-hmm. and then your recruiting class changed the entire landscape of you of Amer- of distance running within certainly collegiately. And you guys were the were the were a superpower. Yep. I mean, an incredible superpower. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that part of your recruiting process because now people know Texas as a distant school yeah. and had lost that vibe, but you guys brought that back and it's never gone away. It stayed. Yeah. So the goal was to have it, you know, cause Oregon is always known as a distant school and it's like, man, if I go to Texas, it's going to be known like middle distance, distance. And, um, but you know, it's like, I, so going into university of Texas, um, one of my f- first runs was supposed to be a 40 minute run. And at like 15 minutes, I'm like huffing and puffing. Right. And I drop out of my first run. Like <laughs> I drop out, um, you know, in that group are like Eric Stanley, yep. Kyle Miller, yep. um, uh, Brian Sullivan, the guy that had beaten me. Yep. They were in that group and they're like, oh, 40 minutes. I, you know, just talking, laughing. I walked back to the field house. I was like, I just, I couldn't run that long and pretty disappointed. And then I sat down with Jason Vigilante um, and he's like, man, what's going on? And I was like, man, I can't keep up with these guys. Well, my longest run had only been like 20 to 25 minutes before. And so he's like, well, he's like, okay, let's go 20, 20 minutes a day. And then every, you know, every week we'll just add 20% until you get to like an hour and a half. Um, and then it was just, I mean, we, we came up with a plan and I, I, th- I still have that little sheet that he gave so me. Cool. I'm going to confirm um, this. Your longest run being 20, 25 minutes before was like, yep. when you laced up. That was the longest run. Yeah. Prior. Just 20 minutes. Yeah. That's awesome. 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, but it always happened to be very, like, very quality type work, right? I would. So, the, yeah. The, threshold. Yeah. You were doing it in the yeah. threshold For way. sure. Yeah. So, this was the first time you had experienced, if I'm following correctly, I'm, I, I like to keep up. Uh, <laughs> so, this is the first time you were running with runners who had been doing lots of volume and you were kind of being exposed for the first time on that run. Yeah. 
in this world. Yeah. That's, and it's that, hot in Central Texas in is August. Crazy. It's yeah. hot and you're just what getting a, your ass dropped on. Oh, get yeah. your ass dropped so fast. Yeah. And they're probably going down to Town Lake too. So you're like going downhill yeah. and they have to turn around. What are and these like, guys doing? Yeah. They, they're running so, it's so awesome. Yeah. Well, actually, I think then that in that particular run, they were headed towards like the Mount Bonaire. Oh, shit. Area. They yeah. were going <laughs> to. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't even. It's 40 I, I minutes all the way up. I, yeah. I don't even think I made it like, yeah. And we didn't. I, it was just like I barely made it out of the parking lot. <laughs> and then And you know, one thing that's too I, I know Vidge, I've known Vidge for a long time and he's he's just amazing. And yeah. I guarantee you, you had a coach that when you walked in there and sat there with him, he made you feel okay about your situation. Yeah. Maybe he made you feel a little bad because he always liked to he always liked to have a little something on you, right? But he he knew what he had in you. He probably knew that in advance, but at the, on that day, knowing yeah. that you're only running you know, 30 miles a week, maybe yeah, yeah. like maybe 30 miles a week. And this guy's got to be like, Oh, let's open the, let's open the skies up on this. It's crazy. 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's seeing gold. There was a, um, there was this particular, you're right. Cause during that time I had still had to build up my, my endurance and there was, um, one workout that we did out at this park, but past like 35th street here in Austin. And we, I was uh, out there with the cross country team, and I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming around, I'm coming around. I'm like finally, things are like kind of coming around, and, um, and I'm keeping up with Ryan Ponsonby uh-huh. at the time, who ends up being, and, who ends up being your coach. Yeah, yes. and I'm at that, and that, but in this particular workout, I'm kind of challenging Ryan. I'm put pushing the pace, but Ryan's still beating me. And then Vidge pulls me over to the side, and he's like, he's like, you know who that is? And I was like, no. He's like, he's an All-American. He's a 147, uh, 800-meter runner. And he's like, you'll never be as good as him. He loved to do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like what and your dad did. No, like, it was the same shit. Poking the yeah. bear. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit, okay. I was, And I was like, it kind of it hurt, right? And it's like, oh, damn, okay. Well, just get to work, you know? And so I was just, yeah, just work mentality. And um, so the, you know, I go, um, so that fall everybody goes home for christmas i stay home which that became my new routine for like several more years and uh actually so much so that i ha- i hated christmas because everybody would go home and i would be here yeah by myself locally yeah 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 mm-hmm. and so yeah i um so it took me a little bit to kind of regain that love for christmas again <laughs> yeah um but um yeah i came back that that uh cement that following semester i'd lost all like 15 pounds of weight um and then um i ran at one of my first uh at george mason in the thousand meters ran like 223 wow. for the thousand the following week they sent me send me to uh um, the husky invite uh i run in the mile i run like a 401 but they'd put me in the B heat. They put Ryan in the in the A heat. In the A heat, Ryan. I think Ryan had won it. He won the A heat. I I won the B heat. Ryan had run, run like right at four flat, and I had ran what four hundred one. And I was like, shit. I was like, I was like, I think I can go sub four, <laughs> right? Um, but rewinding just a little bit, when I had sat down with Jason and came up with that plan, going sub four minutes was a goal on that sheet, mm. right? Um, so uh, the following week, we go out to, um, we run Big 12s, and that's when I meet um, one of my arch rivals, um, 
uh, Stephen Pfeiffer mm-hmm. out of Colorado, yep. and he is like six two. Yeah, and I'm five five. And smooth six oh two. Oh my god! Yeah, super smooth six two. Beautiful runner. Beautiful. Super long stride. Yeah. yeah, was good at the five and the fifteen. He was more fifteen five, and you were more eight fifteen. So a little bit of a different style too. Yeah, of and, racing. And bo- so there's two rounds. We have to get out of the first round to make it into the final. We both did that, and so he's starting to know that I that I have a kick at this point. Well, he's like in his his Colorado mindset mentality. He's like, I'm just going to run all these guys into the ground, right? And he's coming from altitude, and he's probably already doing like, you know, maybe 80 to 100 miles a week. Mm-hmm. He takes out the mile uh, in the 800 meters. He, he comes across through uh, one minute and 56 seconds <laughs> for the 800 meters. <laughs> at, a, <laughs> at the conference right? meet, where were you? What, what, uh, what? We're, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, yeah, yeah. That 200-meter yeah, bank do- track. Indoor meter, yeah. 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 And so he takes it out, and I'm like, I just got to stick and just sit on him. And sure enough, people just start dropping off. And then with 400 meters to go, I look up at the clock, and it says like 301, 301 or something. And I'm like, I was like, I have been doing these 200s and 400s, and I know that I could probably close it in a minimum of like 59 seconds. And so um, I somehow just go around him, pass him, and I'm just like just bending down, just just uh, digging deep, and cross the finish line, and everybody's going crazy. <laughs> I look up, but the clock still like not nothing has come up yet. And then it's like maybe about five seconds uh, of anticipation, and then all of a sudden you just see the clock turn, and it says three fifty nine eighty six. So cool. And then everybody just goes crazy. <laughs> all my teammates at Texas come in, they rush me, toss me up in the air. And I'm just like so tired. I'm like, oh my god. Um, and so after they they put me down, you know, I go outside and then just like this cold air kind of hits me. And it feels so good. And then I just proceed to throw up for the next, <laughs> <laughs> for the next like thirty to forty minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That year too, as you go into the outdoor season, this is something a lot of folks may not know either. Leo, you 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 went into the. You made the finals at the NCAA championships in outdoors. Where were you out there? Do you remember what year that where where in, you were? In California. California. In California. And you many everybody knew who you were, right? People knew who you were. Yeah. But you were given I don't think anyone would have put you on there. They would have put you in the final, but they probably weren't gonna put you in maybe not even in an all American that that year. Talk about that race. Because to me that was the day. Where you you know for someone who I wasn't at UT coaching at that point I was a local I I lived and worked here locally, and I knew who you were because I followed the sport. But that day was the day I was like, "This is world beater. This guy is the real deal." Because talk a little bit about that race and how you went through it. I know Vidge uh, he's talked to me about it a little bit. How unexpected, expected and unexpected in typical Jason fashion. He's like thought it was possible in yeah. his own mind, but he didn't know whether it would, what you, which Leo, what Leo was showing up that day. Right. Talk yeah. a little bit about that because I just think this story to me is like definitive of what happens for the rest of your career. And to remind people, this is a freshman in college guys. Like, like you broke four as a freshman in college in 2008. Right. And mm-hmm. you're, and now you're at the state at the NCAA championships and have no real shot 
other than just maybe getting some points for the team, right? So walk us through that race because it just is such a special race. Yeah, so it, you know, c- coming off of the indoor, right? I had made it to nationals indoor. indoor. I finished uh, fourth uh, against Nick Willis and mm-hmm. Nate Brannon, mm-hmm. um, and then f- going into the outdoor, you know, I'd, I'd already won a couple races, and during that time, again, it was like all these battles with Stephen Pfeiffer. And he was just always taking out like 155, 156. <laughs> and I was just like, just hold on for dear life and then I'll kick him um, type of thing. And so we make, you know, at this point, there had been some other guys that I hadn't hadn't competed against with that were actually better than us in, in time wise. Right. And on paper, mm-hmm. um, um, Lindsay. Um, um, yeah, I'm forgetting his name, too. Yeah. From Ohio State, at Georgetown, Georgetown, Georgetown. Yeah, it, I'm not remembering. It's who all, it is. all on. It's on video. And you, yeah, um, you, don't you worry. Can, it'll be. Yeah, it'll be. It'll it. be in the show notes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we, we can put it down in the. In yeah, the, you're in down the in the comments. You put it in the show notes sweet. so people can see it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so he. Oh my God! This, oh, I mean, three. So it's three rounds, right? right? <clears throat> and for some reason, I always, I've been always just dealing with some shit beforehand, right? And I don't know if this is just a part of the process of the evolution of what I needed to go through to be who I am or whatnot. So beforehand, I've never seen the mountains. I'd never seen snow, mind you, right? And so since we're in California, Sacramento, we drive out to Tahoe, and there is snow. I'm like wide-eyed. I'm like, what? And then mm-hmm. we're kind of like a team bonding experience. It's like maybe two or three days beforehand. Um, and then I see, or I guess one of the guys sees some kind of like, um, it's like this stump and then we start throwing rocks at it uh, because it's interesting. You throw the rock and it just kind of explodes and it's like, oh man, that's crazy. And so we all just start having fun and start throwing rocks at this stump at random. And then we start throwing snowballs, snowball fight. Everything was fine. And then we're driving back and then my knee, I just start feeling something in my knee, my left knee. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look down and my left knee is swollen. <laughs> oh shit. And I'm like, crap and then I, i'm like well dang i gotta just i gotta tell vidge and then we uh our trainer at the time her name was um uh oh my, um candace is her name at the time and so she's like trying to get me better like literally like a day and a half before i race and um so after a while like it, the swelling starts coming down we had it compressed and it's like shit like going through all this stuff um, and actually, I, I think this is actually the like two days or a day before the final. So this is like all like, it's like, man, kind of a mess. And then so the day of the final, I go and I, I grab lunch and I usually eat, try to eat like five hours before. I think this time I had maybe eaten only eaten four hours before. So going into the race, like, you know, I'm feeling my knee and then all of a sudden, like, like I'm warming up and I'm still feeling kind of like full. And I'm like, dang, I was like. So I was like, I got to get rid of this. So I went over back behind the shed, stuck my finger in my mouth and made myself throw up and um, stepped into the race. And I was like, like, okay, it's looking pretty grim. My knee is messed up. Like my stomach's messed up. Like, but I got to just get in there and give myself a chance. Um, I get in there and these guys are just so freaking good. They, um, I think Pfeiffer again, took it out like 156, 157. And then, um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Lindsay. Um, all of a sudden, with it must have been uh, four hundred meters, out, five hundred meters out, he kind of uh, goes into the lead 
or slides into the lead and just starts going, ga- starts gapping everybody what seems like 20 to 30 meters. And I'm at this point, I'm like in maybe like fifth or sixth place. And I'm like, okay, I just got to start catching people. And people are coming back. And I know I have another gear, but I it's also like this is my first true outdoor nationals. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I just, as they're coming back, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And, you know, I'm passing all these athletes. And then even, even with like, like 150, 200 meters ago, like I'm not, um, not really catching Lindsay. And then all of a sudden it must've been like with 75 meters out, I see this hitch and I'm like, Oh, I got him. (laughs) And then, um, started just kind of going right by him and then ended up beating him like, maybe like 10 meters or something what it felt like yeah it was amazing watching that race i watched it live i mean i wasn't there live i watched it on tv because it's just you know i bleed burn orange i went to texas i ran for texas so to me to see another texan i'm from central texas like you always have meant so much to me because you represent what um i think texas is all about and and especially the diversity of texas that a lot of people don't recognize that you were uh you just you just you were a stand-up guy and you ran in a way that everybody could get behind and and you were a warrior like you're just the lion like we like that's what you are like you're the yeah. lion and everybody know everybody knew it and that day was the day i think many of your teammates vidge knew but i don't think the rest of the world really understood exactly where and what you were but that day it was like the message was the shot across the bow. It was over. And not that it was over because you went through a lot throughout your collegiate career. You went through a lot of ups and downs and had a lot of challenges. And, but that day was a day that I think it was like, maybe it was the note to your father, like in a sense to say like, yeah, not only am I really not am I good, but I'm the best. I'm the best. And I can't continue to be the best. And I'm sure at that day, given what I know about Vidge, he probably was letting you know, you may be able to do this for the rest of your life. Like this may be something you're able to be able to do for an extended, turn this into a career and do something that other people can't do. Certainly he was thinking it. Yeah. There's no doubt he wasn't, he was thinking it. Um, it was really, really cool. So talk a little bit too about the culture at the university of Texas when you were here, like when you were running there, you had guys on the team who you were building something massive. You have this incredible crew of people who are support staff and Jason yeah. and was Mario there? Mario was there at the Mario time. Was there, your friend. Yeah. So Mario sent Satana was there. You have Bubba Thornton who just is just loves all his guys. I yeah. mean, that, when you're on that guy's team. He's going to do, he's going to do whatever it takes to get, yeah. to get you what you need and take care of you. You guys were the darlings of Nike for sure. Nike loved you guys, even though they yeah. had Oregon, you yeah. guys were whatever that relationship that they had was like, just gave you all this really cool gear. You guys always had this, tightest prototype shit. <laughs> yeah. The girls, I was coaching the women, you know, I think it was your sophomore or junior year when I came in to start coaching and I was like, how are they getting all this cool <laughs> shit? Like, I don't even, I've never, this is, these are things nobody ever seen. <laughs> Jason would walk into my office and be like, look what I've got. And I'm like, what the hell? Where'd you get this shit? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, um, there's something about Jason vision. I mean, there's definitely something about Jason Vigilani and, um, there's, he definitely worked a lot on the on the mental aspect, right? For sure, yeah. Um, which highly important if you're a runner, right? I mean, highly important if you're just living on Earth right now at any point in time, right? Just keeping positive mindset or a tough tough mindset type of attitude, um, right? Which I think that was that was huge for my development. 
Um, the you know with the athletes, um, I, I had a I had there was a couple guys that I would get along really well, and then um, but I think once I started winning, there was also this kind of like other side that people don't know about, right? With uh, more like jealousy, sure. like like type, and that just you know it's just a part of it, and it's just a part of like just you know maturing, realizing hey, you know what? At the end of the day, like you know the way that I see it is like I want my teammates to succeed. You know, I want I want them to su- succeed as much as me, or you know, vice versa. And it's like if you're succeeding, that's awesome. But sometimes people don't quite understand that when somebody's doing better, it's like, oh, he's like, oh, you know what? He gets a special treatment or whatever, or whatnot. But it's like, no, dude, you you have to see where I came from. I came from nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They they did not they did not grow up the same that you did. They grew up not very far away from you, but they they had not seen what you had seen. Yeah. But Jacob was on your team at that time too, right? So you yeah. had Jacob Hernandez, who also were you. You were pretty tight with him. Yeah, we, we had a. Y'all didn't have the same level of comp- maybe you did because he's there was, so there fiercely was, competitive. There was a lot of competitiveness because he's there, super yeah. competitive. Yeah, I mean, it, he's aggro competitive sometimes. Yeah, we. It was <laughs> the other guys were passive competitive. Yeah, we had an interesting <laughs> relationship, Jake, Jacob and I, because sometimes he would like I would be like an older brother, or he would be like an older brother. But there was still kind of this level of separation because of the competitiveness. Yes. Um, but, you know, on that note, too, I also just want to just one of my most memorable moments at the University of Texas. Right. And and just going back to like, yes, I want people to succeed. Right. At all levels. And that was when I helped pace Darren Brown mm-hmm. to become the first father, father son, yeah. sub four minute mile. I was in, there that day. I was on the, the track. Yeah, yeah, it was special, man. Yeah. So special. And that, like, like I, I, I've had some, you know, kind of rough days. I Like, I'll, you know, kind of removed from all this track and field stuff. And I was just remembering. I was like, holy shit, man. That was so memorable. Like, and I just go back to that because I, I feel the wholesomeness of that. You set a world record, though, too. I mean, I know that the DMR is not considered necessarily yeah. this world record event, but damn, I mean, and you you guys set it up in such a way that I think totally changed the DMR, too. The University of Texas' DMR team that you were a part of, the group of guys, and you had a couple of, couple of moving pieces that came in and out, but generally... It was Jacob and you, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then usually Jake, but sometimes it might be one of the other guys, but Jake is the one who set the world record with you. And then a yeah. 400 guy who yeah. would come and go. Now, sometimes your guys were so good that you could put Jacob down at the four yep. and then you down at the eight, but you almost always put you in an anchor position. But when you won NCs that year, and I don't know when you broke the record, were you on the 1200 leg? Because I know Jake... Well, you won NCs that year was when Jake went on the inside lane, went inside of everybody and y'all won yeah. in the, in, at, at NCs, but indoors. But yeah, that, you, that's also another memorable one, too, because I love that photo at the end. Yeah. And beforehand, I told Jake, I was like, Jake, just sit on me. Yeah. And it was just like at the end, it was just him and I won two. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So. Anyway, I, 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 we've, we've, we've gotten in the weeds, and Michael's like, I'm not really sure what all this is. <laughs> you, you just got, you got just got stuck in Longhorn Land. Sorry, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all running related, and if you just, what's cool? It's, yeah. it's low. I think too. One of the things that's really important. This is something I'm vying for. There is something that Michael and I talked about very early on in this podcast was that there are three, there were three, are there were three, like really cohesive links in the distance running community yeah. in Austin, Texas. All, and I've been here since 1988, so a long time. Yeah. Number one, Town Lake. 
mm-hmm. 100% Town Lake. Yep. No doubt about it. Number two. The and, uni- and that's how I know you've been here that long. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> that's the word I use, right? <laughs> then, then the University of Texas. Yep. So whether it was the sporting, the support, the sporting history, the athletic history, or just the, the, the number of people on campus who run. Yeah. Like, and because of Town Lake, they would all go down to Town Lake and the proximity was pretty close. People could drive or run down there or whatever. So, and then the third, this you might think this is unusual. Well, you won't, because you know. The third piece of the puzzle is Paul Carrozza. Yes. What was run text? But yes. now we would just call Paul Carrozza. Like, there's no Jason Vigiliani at the University of Texas if there's no if there's if there's no place for him to be to be a volunteer coach. You mean he made himself come down here to get that position? Um, you know, the, those three things are the cohesive yeah. elements that have made this place so powerful. And we don't get a chance. We get to. We've talked with Paul. Yeah. We talk about the culture of Town Lake, but we don't get to talk about. The tradition of distance running at the University I'm, of Texas. This is this is what why I'm kind of a just a, a happy go lucky fly on the wall for this too because we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, and it's hard to tap into from from an outsider, but it's great to get like an actual account mm-hmm. of what what exactly uh, collateralizes that equity in the town. Yes, it's um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, so. I, I want to um, let, let's talk about Paul. Sure, we love to. <laughs> I, I just I just want to say that he he's kind of like a second father figure to me, um, and especially more so after you know all the um, the Olympic stuff and after I've kind of stepped away. I, I stepped away from competitive running about five years ago, mm-hmm. and um, you know I've known Paul. I mean I've known Paul. I mean for a long time. I mean his kids, you know they were like three, four, and I remember seeing them and and all that and. You know, now I'm actually representing Creighton. Yes. So cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so just, cool. it's like, we're all, I mean, it's kind of like family, right? Just kind of very, very family oriented. And it's like, but it's also, it's like, Hey, get it done. You know, you got to get, get your work done type of type of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently collaborating with Paul on some stuff that are, we're going to be doing some, some, uh, things together. Awesome. Um, you know, but as as we're going, you know, like I think about Paul, and he's like he's one of the guys that technically helped build what running is today here in Austin. There's no doubt. You know, and um, and then it's like you know having conversations with him, just about brands, right? And it's kind of like, you know, we've had all these brands kind of come to us for for help on you know growing. You know, he used to have Nike come down. All these he used to meet all these brands, uh, give them pointers on shoes. Right. And then even, you know, myself a little bit further removed from Paul, like, you know, at Texas with the with the prototypes, um, one of the first athletes for Hoka. Yes. And, you know, and, and, you know, just along the way, there's kind of been other businesses that have kind of surrounded us. And and I feel like we've helped so many people, which is great. Right. Like it because we want to see people succeed. But then one thing that kind of happens is like, man, we kind of forget about ourselves. Right. And and. And like you there, you still kind of have to keep yourself going. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm starting up my apparel brand. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul, Paul is really helping me out with that. And we're kind of working together on that. And we want um, also taking that inspiration from you, Michael, um, you know, because it's like, hey, we want something that's local, that's homegrown, that when you put it on, it feels good. But at the end of the day, we want to like support people. Right. So Paul has got the running down. Um, going, I'm going to, I'm t- I'm going to tie in a couple things, right? So, Please do. um, we have Jason Vigilani that's very mental, 
right? Um, Trey Zepeda, oh my God, I love that guy. And I, I, I think about him a lot. And I actually got to connect with him more often. Um, but he was also super influential in all my strength type work and keeping me healthy. He and was a, he was revolutionary in the kind of work that he had you guys do. He, yes, it was it was very unusual. As I remember, when I got to Texas, I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? I need that." He's like, "You can't have it. Like you can't have it." <laughs> well, I couldn't. They, the weight training room would never let me go in there anyway mm-hmm. because you had to like. And our guy was a kind of a dick, but anyway, Trey is like yes. One hundred percent. He was next level in his skill sets. Yeah, yeah. And then so we got Trey who helped help with a lot of the strength stuff, and I'd gotten hurt a lot actually, and kind of with a lot of his work. And then there was another guy, uh, John Cook, mm-hmm. who takes a lot of uh, uh, info from a guy named Dan Paff, who is like the I'm going to call him the great grandfather of track and field. Yes, because this guy is like everything he says is gold. Well, he's a he's a multi event coach, and but he knows every event extremely well. He's not well. He doesn't. He's not represented in the distance world so much because they haven't. But so many people like Vidge and Trey and Cook are so influenced yeah. by his work. Um, it's really yeah interesting. And so he's he's uh, Dan Pav has played a, a huge role in a lot of the things that was introduced to 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 Cook to Ryan to Trey Zepeda, um, you know, uh, potentially even to to Jason Vigilante. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's like, so I want to make sure that they get credit, right, for all that, for all their work, um, because they've been phenomenal. And so now what I'm doing is I'm actually taking a little bit of everything that these guys have implemented with me, um, more on the strength, like support strength, strength side. So more like biomechanics, strengthening the body, um, but it's not just about the body, right? It's it's um, it's the physical, emotional, mental, and if you believe it, the the spiritual. Right? We're definitely on that tip. Yeah. <laughs> so th- these are the these are the aspects of running or just um, overall life in general, right? Because some things actually bleed in and, and out, right? Of 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 running into like the real world, right? Like when people are dealing with certain things, and then they got a tight muscle, and it's like, well, what are you dealing with? It's like, well. I'm, stress or whatever it may be whatever kind of issues and that usually shows up in the body somehow so um interestingly enough i i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm not you know i love hoka hoka has been amazing for so many more reasons i needed them when um they you know and it was just a kind of a perfect blend at the time um it'd be awesome if i continue on with them but at the same time it's all you know all, all good things sometimes do come to an end mm-hmm. and that's okay um and so Right now with Paul, we, we're kind of in this really interesting position where a lot of there's been a couple schools that have let go of athletes, right? And so um, we got some we got some, we have some athletes from Texas A and M that have gotten let go. We've got some athletes um, from Texas that have gotten let go, and it's like you know what, man? Like it's kind of, obviously it sucks, right? That you're, that this is happening. But it's created this like amazing opportunity for like a resurrection of sort for for these runners. Yeah. So Paul gets to coach the running aspect. I a part of me doesn't even want to tap into the running st- like aspect, the the actual being there. Mm-hmm. But I get a kick out of all the strength stuff, all the you know the the mental, emotional, spiritual type of stuff to build build athletes that way too. 
and um and then it just makes a kind of really good combination with these kids um and the and the goal is right just support them build them up and yeah just strengthen them and so they that way they can step into the track feel having more confidence on different types of levels so that's super cool you're you know we've been talking about your collegiate bona fides but we cannot step away without talking about your biggest bona fide right an Olympic silver medal. (laughs) We got so excited about the early years and yet you're here. We have an Olympic silver medalist in the house and a homegrown Olympic silver medalist. It's like, I do think sometimes Leo people, you're so kind and so generous and so interesting that people forget that. And like you said, like the way you like, you know, the way you won um, every race you won and the way you competed in every race you competed in, has a similar flair that has a tendency for people to overlook you. I think no matter no matter how good you were, I'll never forget being at USA Championships. I think it was Olympic Trials year. You were, or remember it was a World Championship or Olympic Trials year. You were John was working with you at yeah. that time. John Hayes was working with you at that time. That little window that he was, wasn't um, he? Yeah. So he interesting. And y- you and I talked about you were right before you were, your head wasn't in the right place. And just for some reason, I don't know, whatever it is, he, you and I bump into each other and we talk just for a little bit. Not that I had anything to do with your making a team or anything like that. But though I always feel like the number of people that underestimate you is I'm, I'm sure at this point you're like, hell yeah, I'm glad somebody recognized. It. I'm just telling you, I recognize yeah. that. Like, I'm not sure why anybody would ever <laughs> underestimate you, but there is a tendency to do that. And so it's like, but yet every time you like make them pay, you oh, always yeah. make them pay. And I love that actually, but, but it's okay. Like, I feel like it's like, Hey, you underestimate me, whatever, for whatever reason, like that's, that's not really on me. That's on you. Correct. That, yeah. That's on, and I'm not saying you, you, you know, but understood. that's on them. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it's like, I, I feel like it's okay because that's a learning lesson for them. Right. And like, um, and actually every time that I've, that I have ran into you, it's always been a really good experience. And I love, I love your energy. <laughs> oh, it's high. Yeah. So uh, no, but that's what people, that's what people need. Mm. Right. A lot of the times. Right. Because sometimes life isn't easy. Mm. Right. I mean, it can be easy, but sometimes it's not, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. And then very interestingly enough, right. Um, it's like, uh, along the way about, it's like almost like, um, you know, with John Hayes and, and him getting let go from Texas and, and I was like, you know what? Let me give this guy an opportunity. So I hired him, um, and then kind of, you know, obviously it was also a win-win situation because I did need a coach. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, f- I feel like I can hire this guy. So I hired him as a coach, um, you know. But then at a, when it, it towards the end, it actually just didn't work out. Yeah, like yeah. we're just two different personalities, two different people. And I was like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. Uh, Short term it worked. Long term it, you know, it just didn't. You know, but then I did get I did get a chance to fly him out to a couple races. I connected him with some people, mm-hmm. and he's at Wake Forest now. Yeah, happily, and, yep. and yeah, and he's a lot more happier. Yeah, which yep. is which is great. Um, so it's like you know, there's a, there's an aspect of me even when even if I'm not going through the best, like I've for some reason have this ability to just build people up. You know, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be on the track, right? It's like I kind of off the track, and it's like I can't remember like countless massage therapist that I go to or, or find and then all of a sudden like they just get crazy booked so it's like there's a there's a there's something there that I just but I also enjoy when people are successful 
right? And um, and if anything, that's kind of what I want to share with people is like, hey, you can be successful too, like, you know. And then, but obviously, if it's like if it's a win win situation, if everybody's winning, then why not? Yeah, yeah. Do you, I'm going to ask you a, a, a provocative question? Yeah, go for it. Do you ever do you ever think that you should be the Olympic gold medalist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you comfortable with this conversation? Uh, no, I, I am actually. <laughs> I, I am. I am comfortable. Right. Um, and because it's such a, it's the ongoing storyline of our of our sport. Yeah, and 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 let let's first take a look at some facts, right? Let's just look at the facts. These are things that people can look up. So he, he had, this person actually did get caught. Yes, like he he got caught. There's video, um, the incriminating evidence of the supplement, the things that he was using. Um, obviously, the story goes a lot deeper. Um, if anybody gets a chance, like check out Icarus on Netflix. I'm not in there, but it's. I'm assuming that it's kind of at that depth on, yes. on some levels. And so, yeah, I think about it. Like you know, yeah, probably, probably. Like um, there's a chance that I should probably be the gold medalist. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, like, I did it right. I can sleep at night. Yeah. Like, and I sleep good. <laughs> you know? That's like, awesome. Um. And so, but it's also like, okay, you know, I got this, currently I'm the silver medalist Mm -hmm. uh, for 2012 Olympics. And it's like, well, you know, what am I, what am I doing with that? Right. But what am I doing with this accolade? And it's like, man, I get to, um, like motivate so many people. Right. And not just that, but, um, kind of rewinding a little bit. One of my motivations, um, when, even when I was in high school, was the whole concept of the David and Goliath concept because, you know, being five, five, right. And then all of a sudden I'm competing against guys that are six foot or whatever, how big ever they are. And then, um, and then I'm beating them, you know? And so there's always been that concept in my mind that when I ever go into something that that's kind of like, I'm going to look at him right in the eye. And even if I have a slingshot, I'm going to take him out. Like that's how I, see it right um and i try to take that concept into everything that i do especially if if like there is some um like since the feeling feeling of people like doubting me or minimizing me or whatever or whatnot you know you would not be the olympic silver medalist if mac luffy wasn't in that race though because the way that race played out Mm -hmm. he had to make the move he made the way he made if he doesn't go at 300 with his doped up slingshot, <laughs> yeah. fast ass acceleration that nobody's ever seen before or again. I mean, that 100 meters that he runs between, you know, 350, mm-hmm. 350 to go to 250 to go. And the, the, the show notes will in the show notes, you'll see a video of this. He decimates the field. He lights it up with like jet power explosion. And you're I mean, 500 meters to go. You're not in the picture you're not even in the conversation 500 meters to go and then you start moving up but then that explosion what he does to that pack create and the people who try to then cover his move from 350 to 200 they work they 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 shifts gears kip rock shifting people trying to go Mm -hmm. with that move and shift it and you got to sit back and just go here comes leo like wind and wind and wind and then you got a few guys come back blood in the water the fucking sharks here it's like 
it, and I the, will never forget. The lion is here. The lion is here. Yeah, but <laughs> the lion is here. But it, that was blood, a lot of blood in the water, and you were definitely taking those guys yeah. down. It's like that race to me is just, and I think too, Leo. One thing I just want to talk about with that race is, and your career in general. Um, what we see in American distance running today, the kind of depth from especially the 1500 and the five, you are primarily responsible for that. Now, there are others with you. There's a few guys like Lopez. Yeah. He's part of that. There's a, yeah. a couple of other guys that are part of that process. But nobody epitomizes it the, any more than you do. And what we see now with the depth of American distance running, especially in the 1500, 5000, where we... We always had a couple of guys in the 15, nobody ever in the five. Yeah. Um, you weren't, while you weren't a 5K guy, all the people that had to get better to try to beat you yeah. move into those positions. So like, I, just wanna, I, just want, I just want our listeners to hear and honor that what we have today, the resurgence of American distance running, in my opinion, of course, I'm very partial here, but my opinion began in 2008 at the University of Texas with Jason Vigilante and the recruiting class that he brought in that year. Yeah. That absolutely, completely changed the, the, the whole frame of what it was. And that was all built on, you carried much of that load. And as you said before, everywhere you've been, people have leaned on you and you felt this responsibility for teammates as mm -hmm. people for, and I know that I saw you, I saw you struggle and wrestle with it. I was there. I wasn't in your life that closely, <laughs> but I was on the track every single day. Yeah. And I know how hard that is. And I know what they expected from you. And you were the leader with a whole bunch of immature. I mean, I know those guys too, <laughs> right? And they are, I, I work, I coach them. I know them yeah. and they're wonderful human beings. They've always been wonderful, but it's hard. Like you, and I just want to say, while you did it that way, from my perspective, I think you carried the entirety of American distance running on your shoulder for years where it was in a, not a great place. No, um, Thank you, Steve. That, um, man, that I, I feel that. <laughs> um, I want to go back to the uh, London race, um, and actually before the London race, and then I'll come I'll come back to, to what we were just talking about. Um, so a lot of people actually, this is what a lot of people don't know. Um, very similarly to the first NCAA race that I had competed in, um, so in, in, in 2012, I was pretty much undefeated until the Olympics. About six weeks before the Olympics, I get on a plane and I fly out to uh, France to do an 800 meter race because I always like to land, um, kind of do a shakeout, and then ride like a shakeout, uh, a shakeout run, and then a shakeout race. And I go out there, I do a race, I I, I do an 800 meters. I, um, I ended up winning one 146, 147 in the race. I feel I'm feeling pretty good. The next day I have a training run just to kind of shake out the legs. And for some reason, my my one of my hamstrings is just locked up. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be, you know, just jog jog through it. Uh, about a day or late a, a day or two later, I have to do a workout. I can't run like 80 seconds per lap. Um <laughs> my my uh, hamstring is just locked up and I don't know what the heck it is. Mind you, this is only six weeks be before the Olympics. 
So then I'm like kind of starting to freak out. I'm like, shit, like I got to be in London ready to go in like probably like three, four weeks. Um, at this point, I'd already got accepted into Monaco. And I'm like, shit, okay. Um, but I need to see a, a massage therapist or, or a chiropractor. I'm like, okay, let me get on this. Fly to Monaco. Um, I'm working with all the U.S. people to try to get this issue ready. They're trying to get me ready. They can't figure it out. So I, I'm I'm not, for like a week and a half, two weeks, I'm not able to train. Then, um, finally, my agent at the time, he's like, hey, he's like, we're going to send you to Munich. Uh, we're going to get you x-rays. And there's like this, the best chiropractor that, you know, money can buy at this point. And I'm like, this is like three weeks out. I'm like, let's do it. Like, I mean, three, three weeks out before the Olympics. Let's go. Fly to Munich. Um, I see this doctor. He looks at my, my uh, actually, he, he feels around. He's like, yeah, there's tightness. Let, let's get a, um, um, a, like a scan of, um, what is it called? Like a MRI type scan. And he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, your hips, they're, they're up on once on the right side and twisted towards the front which is causing that strain on your left hamstring. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. He's like, okay, he's like, tomorrow we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to get you into this chiropractor. We're, we're going to get you, um, he's going to see you. And I'm like, okay. So the next day I show up to this chiropractor's office, and he's like this German-looking dude, like hairy chest, <laughs> kind of like a, like a, one of those white beater shirts. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's like, he's like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, he's like, come into my office. And he's like all hairy and stuff, <laughs> like hairy arms. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. He starts looking at me doing uh, all the muscle checks and, and, and kind of seeing where the imbalances are. Gets me on the table. Um, cracks my back, cracks my, uh, like all my sacral stuff. Gets movement in there. Um, this guy cracked everything that I had never even <laughs> besides my crack. I, um, but he cracks all kinds of stuff. Like um, he gets into my joints, um, cracks my uh, um, mandible. Yeah, my mandible, mm -hmm. my jaw, mm -hmm. and like everything that you could have thought about. Like he he did that, and he's like he's like okay today. He's like I want you to go out for a walk in the afternoon. He's like no running, but tomorrow. And uh, Ryan Ponsonby is with me at this time. He's like, tomorrow, he's like, you can go out and work out. And I'm like, for real? And he's like, yeah. He's like, but today, no running. He's like, go walk. So then the next day, we go out to this track somewhere out in Munich, and the workout is six times 400 meters. Uh, the first 400 meters out, 56 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, and Ryan then, is assuming that it's that uh, Ryan is assuming everything was well, going well. <laughs> yeah, that's a big ass. It was just like and, and, <laughs> and like whatever that got like my back felt better, like my arms, my jaw so felt awesome. better, ankles felt better. Fifty five, fifty four, amazing. Like and then it's like holy shit, like we're back and I, and so in my mind I'm like, I mean I'd already lost like three weeks, um, and so it's like okay. Um, let's get you, let's get you to London, Teddington is where our base was. Mm -hmm. So we head there and we like literally have like a week and a half to two weeks to just start prepping for the Olympics. Yeah. So, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. How um, old were you at that time? Um, 27 at the time. I'm just imagining this central Texas humble beginnings guy going to France and then 
Nice and or Monaco yeah. and then Germany and finding yourself across the world doing all this crazy stuff at 27. Like, yeah. I'm, I just can't even imagine. That must have been maybe the, the, the craziest and exhilarating experience. I, I mean, it had to fill out a body for... 90% of the time. I mean, or maybe you're just a super present guy. Like, I don't know. Were you freaking out that you were traveling the world doing all this stuff? Were you overwhelmed? So, um, there's aspects, right? Where when I was running professionally at that time and I was traveling, I yeah. mean, you, you definitely get to enjoy it. Right. But a lot of it, I'm gonna say like 80 to 90%, you're so focused on your running, getting better, the, the championships. Right. And also at that time, a lot of it's also like, that's how you make a living. And it's mm -hmm. like, if you don't do well, then it's like you can't pay the bills, right? So you got to like do well. And if you don't, then it's like, okay, well then you might as well go get a real job type of thing. And so it was always pretty focused in, in terms of what I was doing. Um, I'm not going to say that, I, you know, you're always, when you're running, you, see, you always seem to be just in your head about things that you got to do, things you want to improve, um, goals on and off the track. Just like all, there's all this stuff, right? As you guys know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you still have to enjoy it. Cause if you don't enjoy it and saying, why are you doing well, it? Well, I mean, at, yeah. at 26, 27, yeah. I was, I barely had employment before that. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, a, I'm coming from a completely different world than yeah. the Olympian mindset <laughs> that you had adopted, yeah. you know, and I don't remember where Ryan is from. Where's Ponsby from? So, um, he, he yeah, from really, Texas? he's from Denton, Texas. So uh, he, he is from Texas. Yeah. He, interestingly, he has a kind of a similar story as me, except and so he grew up in Denton, Texas. His family is originally from England. Mm. Um, interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's really, really but interesting. what was it like? I mean, it's so crazy to me. We've got two guys who competed at the University of Texas, Texans. Yeah. One is one of, after you, as you said, in 2012, you were the number one 1,500-meter runner in the world, right? Or right, right yeah. there, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And, your, and your coach is your college teammate. Like that, how did that, how, how, I know that there's challenges yeah. around those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and I know he, he be, you know, when I first met Ryan, I was just thought initially he was just John Cook's assistant, but yeah. that's not what Ryan was. Ryan had, has skill sets that are far, not far beyond John Cook's, just he's his own man and he did his own yes. things. Uh, how would, talk a little bit about what it was like to have a teammate as your coach, which is with Ryan, did you... How did that turn? How did that experience turn him into a coach? Like, what what is it that made him then become your coach? Yeah, and I, I um now that I'm kind of on this side, I get to you know as I'm mentoring athletes, you know through uh, uh, as I'm bringing athletes along in different realms, right? Because I'm also an, an athlete representative, right? So I do work with other athletes, and um I don't coach. I don't I don't like um when I uh, with certain athletes, I don't usually. Like I'm not a running coach per se. I'm more like more like the whole individual, like holistic type. You learn of, from John of, and of, Ryan, a, men, a mentor. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he had to go through his own evolution, which I'm assuming, right? I'm not going to speak for him, but I'm assuming where it's like you know, there's aspects of it that you're not in control anymore. You're not the athlete, and then you have to kind of place the the person or the athlete in a good mental state of mind. Um, put them in positions to win right um and so it's kind of like i i credit him for his patience he's probably been the guy that has had probably way more patience um i mean he's got more patience than i do 
Um, and but he's probably in terms of be, just be having persistence and patience. Like he's probably the the guy. Yeah. Um, well, he helped you. I mean, I think you would have succeeded under any coach, in my opinion. But you are hard headed and stubborn, right? Like oh, you're a very hard headed and stubborn person. Absolutely. I've known, I know you well enough. I think I can say that. Yeah. And so you needed to find the right coach that could that could either have the respect that you would allow them to tell you what to do, yeah. right? Like you had with Vidge in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, or who could work with you. And that's not an always, I'm not saying it's not an easy task with you, but it's always a challenging task to work side by side. And I, I just have always thought that Ryan and you together, so unusual, so unique and beautiful as a Texan yeah. and as a Longhorn, so beautiful. Like, I mean, you guys won an you guys won an Olympic silver medal. Yeah, like you guys yeah. together did it. You put it all yeah. the pieces together and made it happen. I mean, you're the one who did it. But as a coach, believe right. me, I know when my athlete achieves it. When my athlete got second at the NCAA championships, I'm like, I got second at the NCAA championships. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, but I did in a way. Right. So yeah. there's like that really cool thing that I always feel like with Ryan is like well, such a such an honor for the two of you to be able to work together that way. Yeah. So that feeling, right? Because I, I, I do think a lot about that, right? And just in, in the things that I'm doing. and um, But the feeling of success, right? Yes, it's probably one individual that has to go out there and do it. However, the, that person is probably being supported in some other capacities, right? You know, yes, uh, Ryan Ponsonby, right? Um, and let me, let me just talk about Ryan just for a second, and then we I, I want to kind of dip into... So, so Ryan is super patient right another thing too that ryan is he supports people no matter what wherever they're at right emotionally physically mentally um and so it's he's very unwavering right and if you're gonna have somebody with you you can you want somebody like that um there was a there's another guy named nate boy have you you guys know who nate boyer is Mm -hmm. um so he's a green beret and um, I've somehow been able to connect with him and just just a solid guy, um, very um, mellow, almost like me kind of, but also a, a sense of badass, right? Um, so he's a Grim Bray and we were just kind of talking just about people and there was a there was a quote that um, came up that I, I, I kind of stumbled into and it was like, man, when, when shit hits the fan, he's like, uh, or we're like, when shit hits the fan, people run. And what matters is in which direction, mm. right? And Ryan is the person that will be running with you or towards you, making sure you're okay. Um, and so that's the type of people that you want to, to have around. Um, so I'll say that about Ryan. That's very, <laughs> yeah. I want that kind of endorsement one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so in in terms of winning medals and just anything that you're doing in life, right, you got to be supported. So it's like you, then you also got to take into account the massage therapist. Yes. And, right? Um, the team that you're building around. Like I mean, shit, is, you weren't even going to be on the starting line if some hairy arm dude doesn't, like, crack yeah, your back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <he's> just, <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in Germany. Yeah, yeah. You got to go see this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a wife beater and he's hairy. <laughs> yeah, just... Well, we've we've kept you a long time, and we really appreciate your your willingness to talk and tell these stories. They're really really good. We could go, I could go for another hour and a half to two hours, but we 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 yeah. probably need to wrap it up. But yeah. um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Did you have anything else that you really wanted to share, or something, anything that you felt like you wanted to to get across to listeners who might be 
paying attention to where you're going and what you're doing and what's next. I mean, you've got your own apparel company, which is really, really cool. You're obviously working with Paul in this other capacity. You've got um, some athletes you're representing. Anything at all that you feel like um, we can help support you in? I mean, we believe not only in Leo Manzano, the person, but we believe in Austin, Texas, and the vibe that we're trying to build here. As you know, this place has changed since you moved to this town. Um, I moved here in 88. It's really changed since then. But And so many people want to lament these... The negativity, you want to talk about negative aspects of it. But like you were just saying with this young business group that you joined, this group of elite businessmen, it is still a beautiful and amazing and incredible place. And so any way that we can help support anybody that's in this pond that we're in, like they say, uh, you know, as the water rises, all boats rise. And yeah. We we just, we anything you want to share. Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, if you biggest thing, if you can support me, support us on social media at Leo Manzano, uh, Born to Run group, and then also just keep a lookout for for us, right? Because the biggest way that you can support us, well, you know, one of the let me kind of explain this thing with the apparel company that I'm I'm currently now seeing. So, you know, we're having guys that kind of got let go uh, from their jobs, so we're going to be creating jobs oh, wow. for these guys. These are the uh, these guys are also not only are they going to be working. On the track, but off the track as well. So we're we're building people. Yeah, when we talked to Paul, this was something he thought was incredibly important. Yes, that they needed to have a real job while they were doing this job, because for some of them it wasn't going to be a job, or yeah. the pressure of it, as you know, it being your job, as you stated, yeah. is heavy. Yes. <laughs> so, and you know, another thing too is like, you know, obviously you can go as deep as you want. Right. But in the, the day, we want solid people that can learn how to adapt, that can that want to grow, that want to be a part of some. And even it's like if they buy a piece of anybody that buys a piece of apparel, you're supporting us homegrown, uh, Austin based. Right. That power, that energy. Right. And I mean, the goal, the goal is to go win more medals. Awesome. Right. And create some solid, wholesome people. Very cool. I'm kind of amazed at all this. Leo, thanks for sharing so much. Like we all, Steve and I, back in the day, it reminds me of our origin story and I've never heard yours and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to, I like, you know, it was easy not knowing your origin story before (laughs) because I could sit and have coffee with you and, and. It, you know, we we get the high points. You know, people get the high points. They see you at the Austin Marathon. They see you everywhere. They know. They say, you know, Leo, you know, Olympian medalist. He, he one of Hooka's first athletes. Like, you know, and we we get those. But in a in a world where everybody sees the high points, you know, people yeah. see the shit everywhere. Yeah. But it's not until you dig deep that I got goosebumps right well, now because I'm just like, this is the first time I've literally got to sit on my own podcast as a guest and, <laughs> it, you know, from the outside, you know, with Steve and, and I'm not going to be able to, um, I won't be holding the same conversations because I know your origin story now. And I know that you came from this grassroots, you know, lace up the shoes from your giving your shoes from your coach like because you were running around and 
chinos and some hiking boots. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, his dad is, wouldn't let him wear chinos. His yeah, dad made him wear jeans. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, or work pants, whatever you call them. Like, it, it was just like, what? I mean, so it, it's just deeper than that. People... People the this day and age, they always see the accolades. They know the accolades because those things spread. But what we don't take enough time is to understand who the people are, why they were motivated, what their intentions are. We talk a lot about goals. We talk a lot about race times and motivations and everything. But it's the it it's the it's the humanity behind everything that that truly resonates the culture in a way that that is profound. And I. I just, um, I'm going to be processing this for a while and I'm looking forward to the next time. And it's a privilege to get to know you on that level. Thanks for sharing it. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah, man. And thank you so much, Michael. And, um, one of the things that keeps kind of, that I keep being called to is your tattoo. Yeah. The the battle lies within and that I'm just going to say that that is just so true. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's awesome. You got it, man. Yeah. It's, I'm a, I'm a walking billboard for trying to understand the, the the human psychology as a as a as a hobbyist, you know, and and just as and what motivates people motivates me, and because I'm a process driven guy, and what I've been trying to do with my own endeavors is is in a way um, just try and connect with people open up the conversation in a way that 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 is almost when you tell your story it's like showing people a mirror and and you get to say this is my story and this is how it was done but what you're really doing is you're throwing off these vibes and you're throwing off kind of like an a palette it's like all right here's a here's a here's some stuff now look at yourself and 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 I and I just I just hope that 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 it strikes everybody in the same way, which is every time we tell our story, every time you tell yours, it it really it truly is just like throwing a mirror in somebody somebody's face and, and asking them kind of like what's going on inside, yeah. what are you thinking and feeling? Are you being brutally honest about with what you're thinking and feeling, and you know what's motivating you, what what's driving you, what's your intention? And I and I think in a, in a world of a very accessible things goals that we can all shoot for i think it's the process that matters yeah absolutely thanks guys godspeed y'all godspeed thank y'all